0: Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Providence POV. It's Monday, December 4th. I'm Joe Howie. He's Peter DiBiase. We're coming to you after a big victory this past Saturday. Providence beats URI yet again in the Ocean State Battle. Providence continues to show why it is the superior college basketball program of the two. While the Little brother School scurries back down to Kingston with its tail between its legs. Peter, how you doing?
1: I'm, do, I'm doing good, yeah. Another, a win, another win in the Ocean State rivalry is always good, but bigger picture, another win at home, moving in the right direction. Obviously, the game was, and obviously we'll get into it, I would say a game of a tale of two halves. First half, a little bit of an up-and-down game for the Friars, credit uh, to Rhodey, and then obviously in the second half, the Friars kind of woke up a little, like Kim English alluded to in his press conference, and... Uh, they win by double digits. They cover the 14 and a half point spread. So, anybody that took <laughs> the fires were probably pretty excited, but also pretty a uh, little nerve wracking towards the end. But overall, a 15 point win against your in state rivals at home, you will always take it.
0: Peter, Providence is now two and zero against the spread since we said that they didn't cover well. So, I think we can uh, take credit for that now. Uh, two games into this, but yeah, you're right. Credit Rhode Island, they uh. They showed up and they really threw everything they had at us. And for the first three quarters of the game, I would say, uh, specifically in the first half, it was really, um, you know, punch counter punch Providence would look to pull away. Uh, the Rams would chip back in very slowly and that kind of continued into, uh, the first part of the second half until really Providence blew the thing open, um, but yeah, it, it was in every sense of the the word a rivalry game, right? Like a hostile environment for the road team. Um, the road team coming and, and trying to play upset. And you could tell Archie Miller had his guys energized and ready to play. Uh, they were shooting well from deep. Uh, they were playing really physical defensively. And it was all in all like a, a classic rivalry game.
1: Yeah, it was. The, obviously, I, I was there. Uh, I was there as a media member. So sitting right behind the basket and it was. Obviously a very loud environment. Uh, the place was packed early. Uh the crowd was into it for the for the most part. I thought the environment was good. I thought overall, like for the first half, I thought the fries took a little bit while to get going. And you said obviously we both said a little credit to Rody there. I thought, and you mentioned all fair Joe how they were very physical down low. And they yep. were they weren't making uh our lives easy. And I was sitting behind the basket and I never gonna Fully always uh, blame the officials, but the officials were very inconsistently, like a weird inconsistent. Like it was one of those things that they let a lot of things play, and then there was a couple touchy fouls. But yep. for the most part, the refs let them play. And you could see, I would say, Archie Miller, but mostly Kim English, they were both a little frustrated on the sideline because a lot of their players were not getting the calls that they think they usually get. Bryce Halflands of the world, the Devin Carters of the world, Adoro, um, but Rhode Island made it physical in the first half. And Kim English said in his press conference he was not happy with that first-half performance. I thought they struggled shooting. Uh, they weren't doing a lot offensively. Defensively, they were fine. Uh, they were okay in the first half. But yeah. in the second half, like you had the Bryce Hopkins of the world, 24 points. Devin Carter, 17 points. Uh, I, and you and I talked about this off-air, Joe. I thought the Doro foul trouble – made it a little interesting because we really haven't seen that from the Friars issue where we kind of have to run without Endoro and they didn't really use Castro. He only played three minutes. So they went with a non big man minute uh, or for about 10 minutes of the game a the 40 minute game. They had no true big man report. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see that.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's actually something that Kim English even talked about. Uh, fall in the press conference after the home opener against Columbia is that one look that they like to give teams is a centerless lineup where Oduro and Castro are not on the floor. And Bryce Hopkins is essentially your five man. Um, We've seen similar schemes from the Cooley days where Rodney Bullock would kind of slide down into the five spot and you'd really play with a point guard and four wings. Um, So that was definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting combination of bodies on the floor, especially with Rhode Island playing as physically as they were down low. Um, But you're right. I think Rhode Island did an effective job of uh, limiting Oduro's use. Uh, And like we said, he scored in double figures and obviously uh, you know, we want him on the floor, but it was kind of the first game in a while where Oduro uh, struggled a little bit. And, you know as much as we like to bag on them you have to credit Rhode Island you know they prepared to play tough defensively in the paint and like you had alluded to Peter the 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 physicality of URI uh, started getting to Providence and the lack of foul calls that came with that physicality uh you know the players were frustrated you could see it on their faces uh there were several times when Oduro wound up on the floor and was kind of you know throwing his hands up in the air in the direction of the of the officials so It was uh, a physical game, uh, but one that, you know, eventually was. The Friars eventually overcame the physicality and they found a way to win in the second half, which is the most important thing.
1: Yeah. And I'm all for a rivalry game, Joe, being physical and letting letting them play. Like, I I don't have an issue with. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody. Okay. Kim English and Archie Miller probably had an issue, (laughs) issue with it, but I don't. I thought it was a pretty well-officiated game because it kind of let them play. And they were, yeah for the most part, consistent. There were times I thought they had a little a couple ticky-tacks, but I thought they were good refs overall. But, yeah, credit to URI. And I know you and I are talking about Rhode Island's defense. Uh, not the, our defense down well uh, kind of phased out in the second half. They gave up 35 points in the first half, but they gave up 49 in the second. So the defense kind of phased out. But, Joe, they scored 69 points. Credit to their offense. Like, yeah, the Flyers have been one of the best teams defensively in the country this year, and that's not an understatement. Like, that's a—they've been one of the best defensive teams. And on Saturday night, they were tested. They were tested with some guys that could make shots off the dribble. Jaden House is a really good guard. He had 18 points. He was three for five from. Uh, three, and there was a couple of those fadeaway threes that you're like, oh, this has no chance, like no chance of going in. And they went in and Jaden House was good. Montgomery was good for URI. Like I think URI, and I know we like to crap on them, and that's fun at all because uh in-state rivals, we usually uh, take care of business against them for the most part over the years. But they're slowly, I'm not saying building something, but you can see the progression from the year one of Archie Miller to the year two. They shot Joe six for twelve from three. Yeah. Like they struggled from the line. They shot 46% from the line. We talked about that, how bad of a three sh- free throw shooting team they were on one of last week's episodes. Yeah. They were incredible from downtown. They were really good. And they look, they made it interesting for the Friars. Um, but I think we have too much, we had too much talent offensively where we had every single starter was in double figures. And we, and I thought that kind of overtook them like in the second half.
0: Yeah. I I agree with everything you said. Um, I I think, you know, we talked about this in our last episode, right? Where on paper, Providence is the better team. Uh, If you look at the box score, Providence was the better team, but stats and uh, what looks good on paper goes out the window when you add in the emotional element of a rivalry game. And I think that's why URI played the way that they did on Saturday, kind of with their hair on fire offensively, right? We talked, we've talked. we talked in previous episodes about Providence's ability um, to keep teams under 40% defensively. And so far this season, uh, a couple of teams, I think it was uh, Kansas State. I'm going to have to double check this, but I think there were two or three teams that have shot Higher than 40% from the field, and those are the teams that gave Providence trouble. Um, so, you know, credit URI. They let the emotion of the rivalry game fuel them. Um, and even if you, if I don't know if you caught this, but the URI uh, athletics or the URI basketball Twitter posted some hype video of the player saying it was their turn, right? Like this is the game yeah. on the schedule that they have circled for years. So, uh, they definitely, this game, it, all joking matters aside, is URI's Super Bowl? If you look at their schedule, this is the biggest game of their entire year. So, and they played like it. So, credit them to for rising to the challenge and preparing for the occasion. But credit Providence even more for punching back in the second half. Right? Providence looked a little uncomfortable with the physicality in the first half. Or uncomfortable is not the right word. I'm going to say surprised. Providence looked surprised by URI's physicality in the first half, but we composed ourselves at halftime and responded in the second half. And like you said, uh, Kim English in the press conference was very happy with the way the team grew up in the second half. And I think that's, what's most important to take away here is, you know, Providence came back and did what it was supposed to do to win. And
1: the result was a 15 point victory. It was, it was also one of those games, Joe, right? Like you're like, okay, it's a five-point game. It's a six-point game. Friars are going to pull away. And credit – and we you and I have given a lot of credit so far in the first 10 to 12 minutes of this episode to your eye because I think rightfully so. But it was one of those games where you're like, okay, we're up five. We're up six. Yeah, okay. We'll pull away. And we we did, but it was one of those games where like they kept, the counterpunch kept coming. They kept scoring. And I – well, our defense has been great this year. I thought defensively at times we weren't great. Uh, I thought we were kind of suspect down low. You could you could allude that to Josh Adoro foul trouble. You can do that. And playing with a couple fouls, knowing he can't get another foul or him not being on the court, I thought we were kind of lackluster down low. Um, I didn't think we headed into the game thinking we are going to smoke them, but I do think I agree. I think surprise might not be the right term, but I do think Uri's physicality was like – it was like a, little, a little shocking because like I'm looking at the second half play-by-play, play, right, Joe? Because mm-hmm. we're up three at half, right? 16-minute mark. It's still a five-point game, right? You keep scrolling down. It gets to the 15-minute mark. It's an eight-point game. But then it goes down to five by the 14-minute mark. Mark, So you go up eight early, five minutes into the second half, right? Like, this game, not saying it's over, but you're like, okay, Uh, uh Bryce Hopkins 3 makes it an eight-point game. URI battles back, makes it a five-point game. Um. It's five, it's five until the 12 minute mark, it's seven. And then about the 12 minute mark, it becomes a seven point game. And it kind of sits at seven for a while. And then it just kind of and then the offense back and forth kind of struggle. Seven point game at the 10 20 mark, right, Joe? We're going to the 10 minute mark. They hit a three. It's all of a sudden a four point game. So you go from eight early in the first second half to back to being a four point game with only 10 minutes left. Like I think we kind of forget about that. After right. watching the game, against three answers, a Mon- uh, Montgomery three making it up to seven. It gets back down to five. It gets to seven, and then the Friars kind of run away. But then it stays at six, like, and then it gets to nine about the eight minute mark. And then the Friars kind of pull away after that eight minute mark, after that TV timeout. So it was one of those things where, like, the counter punch from eye was always coming. Like they were never. Yeah. It was, one, it was one of those games in the second half where you're like, the fires are not going to lose this game. You got that feeling, but it was like, oh, okay, it's still a five-point game. Oh, at the 10-minute mark, it's a four-point game? Like, I'm not saying we're going to lose, but who knows? Like, who knows? You never know with this kind of stuff. If eye makes a couple more free throws maybe at timely spots, this game could have been a little closer. So I I think it took – it literally took until the eight-minute mark in the second half for the fires to kind of – fully wake up and like, okay, we're the better team, and then run away with the game.
0: Yep. Uh, Yeah, I think you said it perfectly, right? And and this is something I said early on is, right, like the first three quarters, and I know we only play halves in college basketball, but for the metaphoric effect, the first three quarters of the game were very much so back and forth. And even eight minutes, that dips two minutes into that, you know, uh, hypothetical fourth quarter there. So really for 80% of the game, Providence, you know, was kind of uh, dealing with URI counterpunches. It wasn't until that final eight-minute stretch there, those two uh, final TV timeout groupings that the coaches like to refer to, that Providence really pulled away and and took this thing away for good. Um, And I think Jaden Pierre had a big hand in that. Um, His presence on the court, especially in the second half, was huge. Um, I think the, the best play that he had was that little, you know, no look past the Hopkins for the dunk down on Providence's end in the second half. I think that was kind of one of the exclamation point shots. I think that put us up double figures. Um, I think there was a ticket gains three from the left corner that put us up. What was it? 79 63. That was the dagger there. And mind you, that was with three minutes left, right? Like the Pierre, Uh, dump off to Hopkins was with sub 10, right? So that was really when things started clicking for Providence. And I think, you know, that just goes into the overall strength of the program compared to URI is, you know, these guys are all well conditioned. They all are are division one athletes. But when you look at the level of talent on Providence's roster uh, and you look at the facilities, you look at the coaching staff, all things considered, Providence's endurance lasted that much longer than URI's. The, the emotion of the rivalry, the rivalry game fueled URI through that much of the game, but Providence's overall superiority to URI took him home.
1: You mentioned Jaden Pierre, Joe, and I thought having him back was helpful, right? Obviously, he's your sophomore point guard. He took a nice step forward in the first handful of games that he played, and I think having him back was great. It did take him a little while to get going, which yeah. is – totally understandable because of the multiple multiple games he missed with that uh hamstring injury but he was good from the line he only played 22 minutes was that on purpose i have no idea but you and i talked about last week yeah we talked yeah it's monday so last week about <laughs> He's on it, not saying he's on a minutes restriction because we don't fully know, but we kind of spe, uh, speculated like 20 to 25 minutes is probably where you want to sit with Jaden Pierre in this first game back. He sat at 22 minutes. Um, he, the one thing, and we can we can call this a rusty rustiness, we can call this not playing, I guess, legit basketball in a couple weeks. The three assists to five turnovers is not great, right? Like, that was yeah. something that. Kept your eye in the first game in the first half, and I thought one of the reasons why Garway Dual played eighteen minutes and Garway didn't stuff the stat sheet—six points to assist, but and with three steals. But you and I have talked about this. He doesn't turn the ball over. So Jaden Pierre is arguably, obviously, a better point guard at this point than Garway. But I do think I would like Pierre to be a little more conscientious with the ball, be a little more less careless because he does play with that kind of freeness. And I think that that's yeah. one of the reasons he makes him special, but it's also one of the reasons that he does turn the ball over. So if, if you can find a way to kind of, because I you can see Pierre plays with kind of, he's a little, not lackadaisical, but you can tell he plays with that kind of energy, which is a good energy to have. But I do think the turnovers are a bit of a concern compared to where Garway, who hasn't really stuffed the statue in scoring wise, but is a good defender and doesn't turn the ball over. And I'm not pointing saying Garway should get more minutes than Pierre. I'm just looking at the eye test and the stats.
0: No. uh, And I don't think that you are. I think the point you make is super valid, right? Uh, You know, you would expect a player uh, who hasn't played in five or six games to come back and be rusty, but three assists to five turnovers is really rusty. Um, so i think you're you're right in saying that justifies dual's minutes um but then i think you know you have to look at the trade offs here right i think offensively pierre is is an additive to the court or to the team when they're on the court versus dual who other than one game this the season hasn't really touched double figures so there's ebbs and flows to each of them um and i think that's why we're going to see if at least for these first couple of games while pierre is still getting up and running you know this 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 duality at the point guard position where you kind of have Pierre offensively um, and do all defensively. But I I agree with everything you said. I think, uh, you know, Pierre's got to get back into the flow. It's tough when you miss that much time, uh, especially early on in the season, in the season specifically where you're now given the keys to the car, right? Pierre was the backup point guard last year. Now it's, it's his team, his offense. So, uh, you know, We'll we'll cut him some slack, but uh, definitely concerning to see. But all in all, I I, I thought his presence was important on Saturday. Um, And I think just from scoring alone, you can't undervalue what he brings to the table and how much he's improved year over year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm 100% on the board that I think Pierre makes his team 10 times better. It's just at times I think he's a little careless with the ball. Yeah. but I do I think Pierre's been great and we saw some of our offensive struggles without him. So we hundred yeah. percent need Jaden Pierre in this lineup, playing 20 right. to 25 minutes a game a night. Right. And even though you and I are sitting here <laughs> combing
0: through the stat sheet looking for, for stuff to nitpick, uh Kim English did say, and I'm not sure if this was in the post-game press conference or not, but um Nick Rojas over at PC Athletics uh did a voiceover of Uh, some sort of highlight tape from the game. Uh, Kim English said something along the lines of uh, when it's a rivalry game like this, I don't care about the stat sheet other than two numbers. And that's 84 Providence, 69 Rhode Island. And I think that is such a, a huge statement from your head coach. And I just have to say, I love the complete 180 that the program holistically has done with the way that it looks at this game. And I am 100% referencing a few years ago when Ed Cooley got on his high horse and was all cranky and would bitch to the media that it's not a rivalry game and this and that. And, you know, our rivals are in the Big East and blah, 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 like all that, that bullshit that that he spewed to the media before getting his teeth kicked in down in Kingston. Now, you know. Kim English, the athletic department, they're embracing it. They, they, they're they calling it a rivalry game because it is a rivalry game. They, like, it, Villanova fans might be down bad right now, but the big five should be a rivalry for yeah. them. Like, There are rivalries outside of your conference, and it's important to acknowledge that. It's what makes the game of college basketball so great is that there are rivalries that exist beyond your own conference.
1: Yeah, and we have another rivalry game coming up on Sunday against Brown. Like, that's right. another rivalry game that I, it's not as big as Rhode Island, uh, as you or I, but it's an in state and it's closer than you. Brown is a five to 10 minute drive from the PC campus, it's a 10 minute drive from PC's campus. Like, that's an even closer rival. So, like, I agree. And right. that was the first time I got to sit in on a Kim English press conference this year. Joe, I, I, I go back and listen to most of the clips and all that stuff. But when you get to sit into a press conference and right take some notes and I put some stuff out on my personal Twitter account, I put some <clears throat> stuff out on our Twitter account. And hopefully you guys check that out. Just some overall takeaways and a video of his opening statement. But I like how Kim English, he's, he's a good dude. Like he's one of those guys. And I always thought that like, Cooley was a good dude. And I'm not going to get down that rabbit hole uh, <laughs> conversation. But I thought Kim English he was, he seems like I called. I texted my dad. I was like, he's, he seems like a character, but in a good way, like a, a guy that you would want to go have a beer with. And yeah. I thought he alluded to it. Someone asked him on the left of me, Do you think this game is still rivalry? And he said, Yes, this game is still rivalry. Like he didn't hesitate because it is. It's there was an ESPN has this, right? The AMP sits 12,410 people. Attendance on ESPN. Had it at 12,513. That's about a little, a little more than a hundred more people than the capacity of the amp. This game, if that doesn't tell you that this game is a robbery, then you, I don't know what to tell you because this game is hundred yeah. percent robbery. It's a, it's a fun game. You can tell it on the URI side. You can tell it on the Providence side. Like if someone tells you it's not, then they're just lying through their teeth.
0: Right? Like it, you don't, oversell your arena if it's not a rivalry game. Yeah. That that just doesn't make sense. People don't show up. More people don't show up to the game if it doesn't have value. So even if Providence winds up winning by 15 points, one side of that uh, matchup derives a ton of value and the other side goes home feeling pissed, right? We've Mm -hmm. been on, as Providence fans, we've been on the losing side of this game not very frequently mind you twice in the past what 13 14 matchups twice so we don't it's it's a very infrequent feeling for us but the two times that it did happen it sucked and when it doesn't happen you feel great it's it's in every stretch and definition of the word a or phrase a rivalry game and uh Cooley was wrong to coin it otherwise, but I'm really happy with the way that Kim English and the program have kind of turned around that perception and really embraced it. I think they're doing a great job with that.
1: hundred percent agree.
0: All right. uh, So just running through the box sheet now, before we get through the halfway mark here, Friars were led in scoring by Bryce Hopkins. He logged 24 points and seven rebounds on the night, 10 of 19 from the floor. He was joined by Devin Carter, who had his fingerprints all over this one. 17 points, 11 rebounds, 10 defensive rebounds, 7 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 5 from deep. He had 2 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Wow, that's a mouthful. (laughs) Jaden Pierre uh, chipped in with 12 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. He was 3 of 7 from the floor. And then Oduro and Ticket Gaines each chipped in with 10 points apiece. The Friars beat URI 84-69. to They improved to 7-1 and on the season, 6-0 and undefeated at home. All right, moving on here, time for the ad read. As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com to get in on the action. Toggle over to the blog tab. That is where you'll find this podcast, amongst others. Toggle over to the Merch tab. That is where you'll find the Flex Hoops merchandise. Yes, it is still on the website. We're in the process of swapping the logos. It's December 4th. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be December 5th. In the spirit of holiday and Christmas shopping, go up there, buy some merchandise. If you want to wait for the POV merch to get up there, be my guest. But the Flex merch is only up for a little bit longer. All right. Moving along here. By the time you're listening to this, it will be game day and Providence will be taking on 19th ranked Oklahoma as part of the Big East Big 12 uh, matchup. I'm excited for this one, Peter. I think this is a really good early season test for both teams. Um, Providence came in in today's AP Top 25 poll, receiving votes technically notched at 37 with 13 votes. Oklahoma came in at 19th. They are undefeated on the season. And this is just the second time ever that these two teams have ever faced uh credit to Fryer basketball. Kevin Farahar for that stat uh, Oklahoma topped Providence in the 1991 NIT by a score of 83 to 74. Yeah. John, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Have you seen the line yet for the game?
1: I believe Oklahoma's favored by five and a half. You are exactly, exactly right. And I, and look, you we've jinxed it. The Friars like the cover now for some some reason. Uh, I'm not going to bring up the record because I'm going to reverse jinx it by accident, and that's well, you never know who you take. But no, well, not get down a betting train here. But I, this <laughs> Oklahoma matchup is intriguing, right? Like they're sitting at 19 in the country. They're seven and zero. They have five wins against. Not the best opponents, and so so do the Friars. The uh, Friars have a handful of wins, not against the greatest opponents, but they do. have a, uh, Oklahoma does have a win against USC and a, a win against Iowa, a Big Ten and a Pac-12, but a, a soon to be Big Ten school uh, in USC. So it's one of those things where it's a tough trip. You're going from Rhode Island to Oklahoma. You're facing a seven and and0 team. You are coming off a rivalry game, which is a huge emotional type of game that you won i'm not saying i expect the letdown or expect the friars to lose but they are gonna have to bring their a game i looked at a couple stats quickly here team stats for oklahoma they are 10th joe in the country in points per game ouch and they are an eighth in the country in average score margin and so they're 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 10th in the country in points per game they average 87.4 points per game You are going to have to defend. We say their defense is great. We'll truly know how great this defense is uh, on Tuesday night. You also, Oklahoma defensively, is 26th in opponent points per game. And they're 10th in opponent assists per game. This is a good Oklahoma team. Yeah. Yeah, you're right.
0: And we say, right, like they're in the AP top 25 after not really beating anybody. But – uh, you know, just because their schedule is soft doesn't mean that they are, right? And if they're undefeated, they're undefeated for a reason. And everything that you just said is that reason. Um, this this is going to be a tough battle for, for Providence, and it's a tough test uh, in the early going here. Um, you know, this isn't a Lehigh. This isn't a Wagner. It's not URI. And as emotional and as taxing as the URI game was, you or I would get the doors blown off by this Oklahoma team. Um, so Providence is going to have to bring its A game. Uh, not to mention, it's the first true road test of the season for Kim English's team. Um, you know, say what you will about uh, the Bahamas, that's a neutral floor. And for anyone who was there, or for anyone who could hear the fans that were there, there were points in time where it felt like a home game. Uh, that's not going to be the case here. The People are not going to be cheering for Providence in Oklahoma, I can tell you that much.
1: Yeah, we, we can praise our fan base as much. Nobody's making that really trip on a Tuesday night. Too. There'll be people there, but trip to Norman, Oklahoma. Look, this is you're going to have to defend and you're going to have to score, which basically says you're going to have to play really well. That's yeah. basically what it means. This feels – Sweet 16 matchup might not be the best, analogy here, but it feels like, and it's going to feel like an NCAA tournament game because well, Oklahoma's won every game. They're 19 of the country. The eight people clearly believes in them. Um, they have some legit scores. I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but Otega oa <laughs> Did I get that right? I don't. I'm, I'm looking uh, for the guide right now, actually. Yeah, I don't have the guide. I just have the, Otega Oh, I definitely messed that up. My bad, man. If you're listening to this game with podcast, which would be cool if you are, you probably not, but uh, my bad. He's averaging 15 points a game. Javian uh, McCollum, another guard, averaging 13 points a game. So they're two leading scorers, are both guards. So it's going to be one of those Devin Carter ticket games, Galway duo like games where defensively they're going to have to be really tested. Uh, look, they have four guys averaging double figures and their fifth guys averaging nine points per game They score the basketball. They score the basketball and three of the top four scores are 87 plus free throw percentage shooters. So this Oklahoma team likes to score the ball. You're gonna, you're gonna have to score, but you're also going to have to make consistent stops and on the road, it's going to be tough. Like this is one of those games where, it, I, I marked down in my win-loss uh, prediction as a loss just because I thought Oklahoma was a good team. You're going on the road. It just doesn't – everything doesn't add up, I feel like, from the eye test heading into the game for the fires as as you would like. Yeah, just to add on
0: to that too, their top five scorers all score 40 – percent, all shoot at a 40% or higher clip from the field. That is – this is a tough matchup and and Providence is going to have to rely really heavily on its defense here. And if it's as good as it's been, or if it's as good as advertised, we know it's been good. It's really going to have to show against a a really quality opponent here in Oklahoma. This is by no means going to be an easy game. Um, It's one game, Peter, that when you and I did our preseason rankings, I had marked as a loss uh, on the non-conference because it, it, it it just it's it, it I don't want to say it's not winnable because it very well could be. Um, and the reason I say that is because of what Providence did to Wisconsin earlier in the season, and we're now seeing that Wisconsin is actually a good team. Uh, so, pro this Providence team does have the ability to rise to the challenge and uh, overwhelm talented opponents, but you have to do it on the road, and that's really where you know I start getting nervous around matchups like this one. And that's because, you know, the Wisconsin game was at home. You're comfortable. You don't have to travel. The walkthrough is in your home gym, your home locker room, your home fans. Providence players took a flight today, right? And and I know personally when I take a flight, I'm a cranky asshole because I don't like to fly. So yeah. it, it, it's just – it's tough. It, you know, it's going to be a tough game.
1: Yeah, look, there's a reason they're five-and-a-half point dogs. There's a reason Oklahoma's 19 in the country, but it's a fun game, right? Like you and I will sit and when we – obviously listen to the following episode of Friday morning, when you, when you and I sit down on Thursday night and hit record, and if we are talking about a loss, I'm not going to be mad. I won't be overly – depending on how we lose and depending on how we play. But if they keep it close, they keep it competitive, I'm not going to be overly mad because if I had to make a pick, I probably wouldn't go – to be non-biased as possible, probably wouldn't go with the fires this week. That's just I just get that feeling on Tuesday. That's just how I'm feeling. I just think, like you said, Oklahoma. Their four best players are all shooting above. At least the the worst one shooting forty three uh, percent. Otegua Owa is shooting sixty eight percent from the field, averaging That's fifteen impressive. points per game and playing twenty four minutes. Like that is he's a guard. That is absurd. Like, that guy, is, he's from Newark, New Jersey. Nice job, seeing Hall, for letting him out. Uh, <laughs> that, that that guy is a problem. So, Devin Carter or Ticket Gaines, whoever's on him, that's, like, a huge matchup. They have John Hugley down low, averaging 12 points. He's sitting at 6'10", averaging 12 points, 6 rebounds, shooting basically 70% from the field. Like, this is a good Oklahoma team. So, it's a good test for the Friars, right? Like, Joe... If you and I were coming off a loss to URI or a loss to Wagner or a loss to Lehigh, right, an upset loss, and we weren't 7-1, and then you and I would be like, Whoo, you got to win this game. And I think it would be a great resume win, a huge resume win uh, to propel us into the Big East where you will get resume wins, but you won't get a resume win from Brown and Sacred Heart after this game. It's a huge resume win, but it's also a cool test. Like you and I talked about, we'll get a test with the Wisconsin's and the Georgia. And the Kansas States of the world. We got that test. Now we got our next test, and it's right. Oklahoma on Tuesday night.
0: It's also, right, Like I, I really like the way you put that. You, Providence goes into this with really nothing to lose, obviously, except the game, right? <laughs> you go into this in terms of uh, your NCAA tournament resume. You have a blowout win over a now-ranked Big Ten team. Check. You have a... Decent win over a an SEC team on a neutral floor. Check. You took a good uh, Big 12 team to overtime and eventually lost by three. Granted, you were down your starting point guard. Check. Now, if you win this game, you have a win against a Big 12 team, and that's on the road. That's huge check to your resume, and that's a really big foundational block that you, you use as a, as a chip when you're in March and the committee is deciding on your case you lose. All right. You go, zero and two against the big 12 on the season. The big 12 is a really, really good basketball conference. And Ken Palm has them as the best basketball conference in America right now. Again, the big, the selection committee, isn't going to, you know, smack the ruler on your hands too heavily or too harshly for that one, especially granted it's a road game. So I really like the, the POV that you put on that Peter, um, (laughs) that, you know, you don't really lose anything. You have everything to gain from winning this game, but it is not a must win. It's a nice to have.
1: And it's fun. It's going to be Def- a fun game. When And you brought up the stat, we don't play Oklahoma a lot. We don't play at Oklahoma a lot at all. It's it's a fun game. What I love for this game to be at home, to get to go to or get to have that home court advantage 100%. But it's a great test. We'll see where this Fries team is. Offensively, yes, but we'll also see where this team is defensively. Like Oklahoma is one of the best offensive teams in the country through uh, the couple of weeks of about a month of the season so far. So it's a great test, and you, it, it's a, it's a good test because you're going to get tested every night for the most part in the Big East. So yeah. I think it's a good litmus test to see where this fires team is heading in. Obviously, he's still brown and sacred heart, but post those games heading into Big East play. I agree.
0: Um, all right. So, taking a look around the league here uh just at the big East Big twelve scoreboard uh the big twelve is ahead four to three so far. There are four games remaining on the slate uh Butler topped Texas Tech and Creighton topped Oklahoma State in the opening night of the Big East big twelve challenge uh Xavier dropped one to Houston, St John's beat West Virginia did they beat West Virginia? Yeah, they did yeah. Uh, DePaul lost to Iowa State. UConn lost at Kansas in what was probably uh, one of the best matchups of the year so far. Um, and the elephant in the room Georgetown lost to TCU on an out of bounds three point buzzer beater that, in terms of the rule book, could not be overturned after the game ended. Uh, <laughs> it's, I smile and I chuckle because I know Georgetown got hosed on that call. You know, Georgetown got hosed on that call. That is an objective fact. But I am so happy that they did because there is no coach and no program in America more deserving of that than Georgetown.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you and I talked off air. We don't have to feel bad for Georgetown, but we can also not be, you know, like a jackass and admit that they were obviously host. Um, tough for them. Yeah, that's all I got. Tough for them. Yeah, it's
0: it's tough, and that sucks,
1: and if it happened
0: to us, I know damn well that I would be fuming, and yeah. you would be too, and this would be a really angry podcast, but I, I don't
1: feel bad for them. No, and you, you know what? You don't have to, and it's you can feel whatever you want. But the Big East has been up and down. You talked about the Big East Big Twelve Challenge, Uh and they've been up and down in the Big East Big Twelve Challenge. So I'm not going to fault UConn for losing at Kansas because no, that's a tough game to win. It's probably like the toughest game you probably can. it's probably like the best loss you can have in the country right now. Probably at Kansas, uh, maybe yeah. like at Arizona, you can lose, and like that's the second I don't know, whatever, right? Like that's not going to fault you. Uh, Credit to Xavier for staying in that game against Houston. Xavier has been very up and down to start the year, uh, which is tough. Johnny's getting a nice win at West Virginia, and DePaul is DePaul because like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out of. Thank God we are not a the podcast because we wouldn't we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I don't know what you would be talking like if you were the Paul podcast, and I feel I like I like DePaul, and I kind of root for them because they're DePaul. But what do you what do you do? Yeah. It's tough. What do you what do you, what do you I, I don't know what you talk about anymore? Like we're terrible and like like we're usually not good, but we usually get to like 11 or 12 wins. I don't know. how do they get to 10 wins this year? I don't know. They don't they're they can't with, play. what are they one and six right now?
0: They can't play Georgetown ten times. Like I can tell you that much.
1: No, they're what are they, what are they right now, Joe? Are they one and six to Paul? Uh let me look. I, I got you. I put you on the spot. Uh, They are 1-6. and six. They're 1-6, and six and they still play at Texas A&M, Louisville, and Northwestern, and they still get Chicago State. Like, yeah. maybe one win in there, I guess. And then they got the Big East play. I'm not kidding. They're not winning eight games in the Big East. DePaul might not win
0: a game in the Big East. Well, they, they have two real chances to win over Georgetown, and – I'm not even being an ass in that. Like that is literally the only team in the conference
1: they have a shred of hope in beating. They might upset a team at home because it happens, right? Like it's gonna happen. But Joe, we're talking about like at right. I know we're going off a tangent and we, we're running out of time here. But if I had to ask you over under five and a half, the Paul wins on the season. Are you? What are you taking right now? I'm, t- I'm taking the. Six. I'm taking the under. That's insane. I agree with you. I would do that too. But that's insane. Where. DePaul is at right now. Okay, enough of my DePaul <laughs> Um, yeah, no,
0: it, that is granted. I feel bad for DePaul because yeah, I I like Tony Stubblefield, and mm. uh, when you listen to the way that he talks in the press conferences, when you see the way that he's coaching, I'm pretty sure they did him for the uh, the mic'd up uh, all access event that they do typically in January. I just, I really like Tony Stubblefield and I, I he kind of gives that like raw, something to prove underdog mentality. But my God, I, I just, it, DePaul is a burning dumpster fire and really makes the conference look terrible. Yeah. And them playing Louisville on December 9th this is going to be funny. A
1: dumpster fire in the ACC and a dumpster fire in the Big East.
0: Yeah. All right. The Big East, Big 12 battle uh, will resume tomorrow. Villanova visits Kansas State. Providence visits Oklahoma. Seton Hall visits Baylor. And on Wednesday, Marquette hosts Shaka Smart's previous uh, employer, if you will, uh, Texas. That should be a great game. But first and foremost, Providence takes on Oklahoma. That game is tomorrow at... Where's the time here at 7 p.m. on ESPNU. Uh, By that point, you'll have listened to this podcast. You won't hear from us again until Friday morning. We'll be recording Thursday afternoon. But I think that's going to do it from us.
1: Peter, any closing thoughts from you? Yeah, credit to the Friars. Nice 15-point win against Rhodey at home. It's always good to beat your, your rivalry in state or your rival in state. So they pulled away in the second half. They, it was a good performance, and on Thursday, Joe, when we're talking, we're going to be talking about a nice test that the Friars got on Tuesday night against Oklahoma, either a win or a loss.
0: Right. We'll be happy with a win. We'll be happy with a tough, gritty performance. But as always, I, I get pissy with losses. So we'll see how <laughs> I, we'll see how I feel on Thursday. But Peter, you're right. Always great to give URI that yearly reminder of where they stand in the hierarchy of Rhode Island basketball for Peter DiBiase. I'm Joe Howey. Thank you for listening. And as always go Friars,
1: go Friars.